Welcome to this week's Rising as One Pod. I am your host, Aaron Blau, with my co-host, Kyle Mackey, coming off of a six-point victory over the Austin Bulls on a Sunday. Kyle, I already know your weekend is going amazing, but put it in words for us. I mean, it, it just started off with an explosion. I mean, that that Friday night, I mean, that is how you kick off a weekend right there. I mean, you'd have to say uh, that was probably the best party in Phoenix there on Friday night, no doubt about it. You know, it's definitely getting a little bit of notoriety for sure. Uh, I actually happened to go to synagogue on Saturday morning, um, and during our little lunch that we have after the services are are all over, somebody asked me and says, did you go to Dollar Beer Night? So everybody's really talking about uh, this atmosphere and this experience that we're putting together in Phoenix. Uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty awesome way to to, uh, to keep expanding the brand a bit. Um, I don't know what to say. You know, did you have a chance to uh, hang out with the Bud Light Night? I didn't get to hang out with him too much. When when I saw him, he was passing through the supporter section, and he had you know, quite the security details surrounding him. It seemed like there was a few uh, Bud Light representatives and then some uh, pro-M purple shirts that were around him, but did get to, you know, say what's up, slap him a high five, and it seemed like, you know, he definitely brought those uh, positive energy for those fans. I mean, it was so cool to see, you know, a figure like that who has a huge social media presence, and, I mean, we've seen him on, you know, Super Bowl commercials. To get, you know, that out to a Phoenix Rising match, was it was just unreal. Yeah, and you got to feel for the guy. Uh, first of all, he needs security, even though he's wearing armor. Uh, so that just goes to the brain, you know, what, the, what they think of us as fans. Uh, but wearing that metal, <laughs> you know, like whatever that was, I don't know if it was aluminum. I, I don't know what kind of metal it is, but whatever it is, um, when it's, I think it was 108 degrees at kickoff, uh, that's got to be a bit rough on anybody. <laughs> I mean, and he doesn't get the doesn't get to have the hydrating effects of dollar bud lights either no no i feel for the fellow that was in there because he sure did look look really hot and uh i mean it, especially yeah friday it seemed like it was really muggy in the supporter section just with all the all the you know stacked crowd and i mean all the you know liquid water beer mostly that was being uh, thrown around from all of our celebrations so yeah, I mean, he had to have just been sweating up a storm under that suit. Yeah, so, you know, ultimately we have a, a, a surprisingly huge match here. First of all, I have to make some sort of mea culpa, I guess, because when I wrote my part of our Western Conference preview for FirebirdSoccer.net, uh, I figured that Austin was going to be the last, a last place team. I, I thought they were going to be terrible that they were going to you know, finish the season in last. And here they are into Phoenix, fourth. They get to have a little bit of confidence because they're only one of two teams the entire season that Phoenix Rising has lost to. Uh, but they are coming into a, a rather crazy atmosphere, a, a, an atmosphere that either, I forget if it was Tyler Terrence or Devin Kerr on the, on the Three Honest Lads podcast, said that Phoenix would be embarrassed to lose this match. So there's a lot writing on this match. Did you have, tell me, did you have any doubts? What, what were you thinking coming into this, into this Friday night game? 
I, I wouldn't say doubt, but there definitely was a just a nagging in the back of my mind that, you know, this team has punished us this season, but I think that match, that 1-0 loss that we had in Austin, I think it was April 17th. I mean, this is a completely different team that we're seeing on the pitch right now for Phoenix Rising. Um, and, and to go back to that, and you know, it, it, the loss would be embarrassing. I think it would just from the perspective that we haven't lost at home in so long. And on Dollar Beer Night, you know, it seemed like everyone was, was thinking this had to be a win. There was no way we were going to go down. And, I mean, it, there definitely was nervy moments in the first half, but I think all in all we could say that Rising dominated this match and uh, definitely deserved to win. I think some of that nerves comes with, like, you know, all streaks must come to an end. It's the summer. It's hot. Will attendance be fantastic? And we're coming into the game on a nine-game winning streak, unbeaten in 11 matches at home. Uh, there's, uh, we're, of course, 11-0 and 0 also on dollar beer night. So there's a lot of sort of streakiness that comes into this match as well. Um, and, and you're like, well, you know, it's gonna got to end at some point, but it's probably not going to end to an Austin team that's only 2-5-2 two, and two on the road. Now now they're 2-6-2. Two, uh, uh, two, two, and two. So I was thinking that we were going to do pretty well. I don't think I expected that we were going to do this particularly well. Um, our lineup that we no. come out with is pretty much our standard lineup that, that we typically have. Uh, we did see Junior Flemings regain his spot in, in the front three, in that, that top three. Uh, Musa, who might have been you know somebody to move in or out with uh, Kevon Lambert, ends up getting the start, uh, especially since Kevon Lambert isn't actually with the team right now. As a reminder, he's with the Jamaican U23s working on Olympic qualifying. Um, so Musa's kind of the man, and, and you've got Lubin, Dia, Mala, Farrell, and, and Dambuya, with the only question of, you know, the trio of Cochran, Farrell, and Mala. Now, on the broadcast, and Kyle, I don't know if you've seen, seen the broadcast, but the guys did mention that Cochran may have a little bit of a, some sort of flu or cold or something that he picked up right before the RGV game. I don't have you heard anything about that. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of heard some rumors about that, um, and and honestly, I mean, we could say you know every match, it, it could be either Cochran Farrell or Mala Farrell or Mala and Cochran. I mean, these guys are so interchangeable. But really, I think Mala's been doing such a good job that I mean, Shant has no problems keeping him in the starting eleven. And if Cochran, you know, isn't fully fit or still feeling the effects of whatever illness he was suffering from, I mean, there's no no reason that Rick Schoenk needs to risk it. I mean, yeah, maybe he's got – Cochran's got 30 minutes in him, but to put him out there and try to go at full 90, I just I just think it wasn't worth, you know, the risk. And Rick Schoenk sees that. And, and like I said, Mala's just been playing out of his mind. So, I mean, I think, you know, this was probably a smart decision on Rick's part. On either side of Mala and Midfield are Spaniards, uh, uh, Baccaro and Aguinaga. And then up front – Getting the, the, the band is back together, Junior Flemings, Adam John, and Solomon Asante. Um, really a, nothing too much to say about the lineup in terms of, you know, who, what, where, and why. Uh, a little bit more interesting was who was on the bench. Uh, Wazinski on the bench is, a, is our backup keeper. Wheeler Amunu is backup for Tucson. Uh, Cochran, uh, Ben Spencer 
we see Ramon Howell again uh, on the bench, uh, Joey Calistri and Austin Ledbetter. Uh, first 15 minutes of the match felt kind of your typical feeling out process. It didn't seem too much. I was noticing, I felt that Austin was holding, uh, had, had a lot more possession than Vic did, uh, but ultimately uh, didn't really matter in the 17th minute. Uh, Solomon Asante uh, telepathically knows that Devin Kerr, the commentator, is, is talking about him. And Devin was saying, uh, saying to Tyler Terrence, uh, you know, this Solomon Asante is good, but the 2018 Solomon Asante was actually better. Uh, at that, almost at that same moment, Solomon Asante uh, receives the ball from Mustafa Dembuya on the uh, playing on the right hand side. Asante takes one quick touch to it, swings. It really, it just it felt like just swung his left leg um, and uh, swipes at the ball, sends it to the far post. And 17 minutes in, we are one goal up in the match. Uh, what did you, what were you able to see from the supporter side? You know, I I actually just saw the very last second of it. I was talking to my girlfriend and kind of turned around when uh, Dumbuya makes that pass, but I hear, you know, everyone go, <gasps> and that big gasp of breath being sucked in, and I turn and look and just see, you know, Asante, as you said, his leg just rips his, swings right through the ball and just goes into that bottom left corner past Diego Restrepo, and when you see the ball hit the back of the net, and just celebrations erupt around the entire stadium. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so sweet. And like you said, I mean, definitely a feeling out period earlier on, but this this is absolutely what the Rising need, um, an early goal. And, I mean, we've seen when we've scored first and early on this season, we don't lose, and, and this was exactly what we needed in that moment. Yeah, and i got to tell you, um, continuing to impress his Dambuya, um, he really feels like he's in that Lima – that, that U.S. Open, like, Lima role kind of a thing. Um, he's playing – he plays up a lot. He plays through balls a lot. And we did see that and have seen that from Amadou Dia in the past as well. But Dabuya just takes this to another level with his speed uh, and his ball control. It's just always really cool to watch him. There was actually another chance or two that happened before, the, before this play uh, where – where Dembuya played the ball up to Asante, started, you know, made made the run to, to look for a through ball, um, and it didn't make its make its way all the way through. But in this case, you know, it's just that the dude is looking good. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about more more about him in just a minute here. Uh, in my notes here, I'm saying Austin looked to respond quickly on this. Uh, they did in the 19th minute. They had a great shot on goal, required a diving save from. Zach Lubin, 24th minute, um, Aguinaga and Farrell have are kind of sliding around on the uh, on the ground in front of Lubin. The Austin player is able to get the ball around them, make a low shot, but it falls straight to Lubin right right in the middle. Uh, Lubin actually had to do some work in this particular match. Um, anything else that you that that you recall, you know, at least in regards to Lubin, because all that happens right in front of you. If you want to go visit Kyle, he's, he sits pretty much right behind the net in the supporter section. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was on the front row, 
um, just right behind the center of the net, kind of on the red fury side, just right there. And, and yeah, that, that sequence, you know, where we have both Dembouya and Farrell clearing the ball off the line, um, clashing actually as well, and Dembouya takes a little bit of a knock there. I mean, that was an insane sequence. And, and I mean, me, you know, I'm in the first row, and I'm still standing up on the bleacher just to get a better view and to look over all the people on the rail. And it, it was just ridiculous because, I mean, I swear – um, it, it seemed as if, you know, this was our unlucky, you know, shot. This is where, you know, Austin's going to get back in the match and level it up 1-1. And, I mean, you know, those three guys really did put their bodies on the line. And, and I mean, it really was concerning for me when I saw Dembouya go down and, and lay there and start rolling around because I didn't see exactly what happened, but I could tell he was in some serious, serious pain. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that whole sequence started with um... – you know, uh, with with just either poor clearances, I don't want to call it bad defense or not, but you know, when when you have Duigi Mala, who as a center back is a is a great presence, but if you put him on the wing and you're expecting him to dribble around two Austin players, uh, it's just not going to go well for him. And the, the the tough thing is is that Mala had Dia inside of him with Dia with time, and instead Mala decides that he's going to swing at it and try and just uh, and just boot it up line. Uh, he could have laid it off to, to Dia, who would have done the same exact thing in space. Instead, Mala makes the decision to try and kick the ball up the line. It bounces off the, the Austin player, kind of comes down in somewhat no man's land, and uh, a different Austin player is able – or I'm sorry, the ball falls at Andre, Andre Lima. Very dangerous. I think he's Austin's league leader – uh, team leader in goals, and falls at Lima's feet. Lima comes into challenge, uh, causing Joey Farrell to have to come over. Farrell, Farrell slides. Um, Lubin comes off of his line to try to make himself a little bit big. Lima's ball goes off of Joey's leg, which is kind of on the ground, pops up over the top of Lubin's head. And I'm like, oh, this ball's going to fall in. Who do we see? We see Mustafa Dumbuya close, closing fast with with uh, Xavi Baez right on his heels trying to get to the ball first. Uh, Mustafa able to get to the ball first, kind of bats the ball down. Baez misses. Dumbuya sweeps his leg out. And while he's sleeping out, uh, slipping that out, I don't know if he caught a, a, a cleat from Baez. I can't tell exactly where he got injured, but he was hurt. Um, I don't know if you could hear him or not. Uh, I, I was I wasn't in the position to be able to hear him, but uh, based on where you were standing, I, I don't know. You you might have been actually be able to hear him scream uh, or not. Um, but he yeah, I, it it did sound like there was a loud yeah yell from him, and then once he was on the ground, I didn't necessarily hear any screaming. But I mean, you definitely could see the agony in his face, and just just how he was moving around on the ground, you could tell that. You know, it was not good, and he really, really took some contact right there. Um, I mean, it, it, it was just, like, just so disheartening. I mean, it was a great save, but then you see a player go down like that, and you're just instantly worried about his health and just hoping that he's okay. Yeah, and the ref let him, you know, recover before booting him off. Um, he was he was down for almost, like, I think four minutes or so, by my memory, before they they said, okay, you know, get off, go ahead and get off to the side. Um 
ultimately, uh, Mustafa comes back, is able to come back into the game a couple minutes later, uh, but is pulled off at the 40th minute uh, in, in favor of FC Tucson's Austin Ledbetter. It's the first time in quite a while we've we've had to have, use a substitute that early in the in the match. Uh, a quote from Zach Lubin. Uh, we lost Moose. That was hard because he, he's been an anchor of our team. He's been in every game. He made an incredible save. You know, that goal line scramble, and he put his body on the line. And that's the kind of effort I was talking about at the beginning to get us clean sheets. To sell out, put your body on the line, and make that save. And unfortunately, he got injured. Uh, Rick Schantz in the postgame uh, uh, right before Zach Lubin spoke um, said that he has a, a bruised foot. You will have to see if it's just a bruise, but he's not the only player that, that, that you know caught some chip here. So uh, the game would get a little more chippy right at the end, almost at the end of the first. Austin's uh, Taylor, I think, is a mid midfielder, made a really bad sliding challenge that caught uh, Junior Flemings. Flemings did see him coming and was able to get his feet kind of up and over Taylor's sliding leg. Flemings actually dragged his cleat over the guy's leg. Um, not on purpose. I can't imagine that it was on purpose. He was just, you know, trying to get, get over him and avoid it. Um, and, you know, the, this Taylor, Austin's Taylor, uh, down on the down on the ground, Fleming's still pushing forward. The ball comes up, just trying to clip the, or get the ball up into Adam John, who's kind of at the top of the box, in, in the center of the box. John gets smashed. I did get a photo of this. He got a, um, a shoulder in the back of the head. Gets smashed in between two Austin players. No fouls given in this particular case. Um, but, you know, it, it just more evidence of chippy, aggressive play that is something that we were kind of expecting coming off of Austin's last couple matches. Yeah, not a surprise, but you also you want the referee to uh, you know to not let these guys get too rough out there and to you know start possibly getting other players injured. But uh, I mean, it, it was you know to be expected, as you said. We know how Austin plays; they're a very physical, rough and tough team. They like to you know slow down the game and playing in that way. Um, so it wasn't that much of a surprise, but it's still frustrating to watch. So the bad behavior does continue um, in the second half. Uh, this was about the 50th minute, somewhere around there. Um, Austin's London Woodbury, who I think may have some sort of Phoenix connection, I forget. Uh, London Woodbury earns a yellow card. Flat out two hand body slams. He gets the yellow card for this. And, I, and that really pissed Coach Chance off. I could see it on the, on the replay. Because he made no attempt to play the ball. Literally, you know, he gets beat, puts both hands out, takes both hands dry and drives Flemings to the ground. Uh, just kind of insanity. But Flemings gets revenge very, very quickly on a, this defense-splitting header to a streaking James Musa. Um, what, I mean, there's there's two things that really uh, made, the, made this stand out to me. Now, I don't know who... Who made the pass up to uh, up to Flemings? But Flemings takes this. He's in a perfect position. He barely has to move. He heads the ball forward, and literally, he just stands there, <laughs> like he's admiring uh, the Mona Lisa that was that he just finished painting. Uh, 
And as he's standing there admiring this pass, James Musa, the defensive midfielder, uh, splits the defense and puts the ball in the back of the net for his second goal of the season. Musa also sporting a new hairdo. Uh, maybe it was the hair power. Uh, what was going on? Because James basically ran directly at you during this play. Did you see this coming from all from you know from before half field? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, and I believe it was Asante who makes that pass to Fleming, um, who's just able, as you said, just you know cushions the ball with his head and just lifts it up in the air for Musa. And I, Musa's hair definitely helps him control that ball when he brings it down in the box and then just rips it. I think left-footed past Diego Restrepo. And, I, I mean, you think, you know, there's a possibility the keeper makes the save, but Restrepo, he's, you know, not the largest keeper in the league, and I just – there's no way he's stopping that. And, I mean, yeah, I saw that coming from a mile away, and uh, once you see, you know, the ball go in the back of the net, Restrepo's, you know, just disappointed, and Musa and the rest of the Phoenix Rising squad reeling away in celebrations. I mean, it was just – pandemonium in the supporter section at that point. I think I was on to my either my fourth or fifth beer, and I lost about half of it um, after that goal, just throwing, you know, dousing everyone with beer. Um, it, it was just unreal. That was that goal right there really just set off the atmosphere, it seemed like. Yeah, because at that point, it's still that question of, well, you know, one goal, and they're making some, you know, they're putting some pressure on, and they're shooting. Uh, one goal is, is, is probably not enough, uh, is what I'm thinking at, at that point. But Musa puts the ball in the net, and it's able to, to decrease my blood pressure uh, a little bit at that point. Flemings uh, yeah. then in, adds in injury, or I said adds insult to attempted injury, uh, as he picks up a second assist in only four minutes of game time. Um, Adam John picks up the ball, well, I mean, it's, it's played all the way from the back. Dia plays the ball up to where Musa is. Musa dummies the ball through to John. John takes the ball to the half line, uh, chips it over a defender that's coming to challenge him to an open Flemings. Flemings carries the ball up to about the top of the 18, finds Asante on the right. Asante, instead of taking a one-timer, um, takes takes one quick touch, puts the ball on the other foot uh, to his left foot, and puts a strike in the upper corner far post. That ball came directly at me because I was actually standing in the supporter section at that point. Uh, uh, interesting story uh, I'll, I'll share with you in a minute. But, you know, just, again, we're talking about the big three, right? Flemings, John, and Asante. Who's better? Ain't nobody better. And it's so interesting to see in this formation that we're playing now that we haven't played a traditional 4-3-3 um, since the beginning of the 97 season, or I mean the beginning of the, uh, of the 17 season. I'm aging myself. Um, the, and, you know, typically we've just been relying on sort of this target guy, even started this season with John just being a target guy. And now we have a true 4-3-3 and all three of these guys on the front just killing it, killing people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you love seeing those three combined. And, I mean, for me, it's Asante having the confidence, taking that extra touch to settle the ball and just ripping it up to that top corner. And I mean, a perfect 
Lee taking goal and perfect play up leading to that. I mean, these guys, they know where the, where the player is going to be. They know the pass, when it needs to be made. And it, it, you're absolutely right. This tactical change that we've made, it has, I think it's allowed all three of these players to perform at their highest level. I mean, it's no longer that we're focusing on one guy and, you know, throwing the ball up long and having him, you know, play it down with his feet and then distribute. I mean, these guys are all doing it in all different ways. And it's just so entertaining, so fun to watch, and so deadly because defenses, they just can't figure out how to stop us because when they have one answer, we got another, you know, way to solve it. So it's, it's always ever-changing, it seems like, our attack. And it, it's, it's just so beautiful to watch. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Fleming's, you know, Fleming's just brings a different, it, it I like Kalister. We'll talk about him a little bit more, but Fleming's is just, it, he's on another level. What can you say? Uh, not done yet. The team captain, Asante, again catches Austin on the counter. We really just beat the hell out of him on the counter. We didn't do a lot of playing, you know, playing pass around kind of stuff, um, especially because we didn't need to. We were up, so. You know, you can sit back and, and, and punish him on the counter a little bit. Uh, Jose Aguinaga receives the ball midfield, passes the ball over to his right. His right-footed uh, shot um, really looks like this is going to be his, his hat trick, and that's what you're pulling for here. But uh, Restrepo actually able to get his hands on, uh, on the shot. Unfortunately, he pushes the ball basically right at the feet of Adam John. Uh, John... Puts the ball in the back of the net. Probably one of the easier goals that you, that, that you could have. Kind of almost reminds me of a similar uh, Didier Drogba goal. I think Drogba's final goal at Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex was just sort of a tap-in. And th that's kind of what this reminds me of a little bit. Uh, John did do really well to keep himself onside in that case. You know, it's it's very easy if you're rushing forward and you're playing that rebound. You know, you're playing that rebound. If you get on the other side, wrong side of the defender, even if the ball comes off of the goalkeeper, you're going to be considered to be offside. Um, John keeps himself onside, puts the ball in the back of the net. And I don't know that a lot of people know this. We have two players in the golden boot race at this point. Now we have Solomon Asante, who's at 14 goals, uh, who's leading, uh, who leads the pack. He actually leads by two goals. A uh, couple guys in the Eastern Conference who are in second place. And then Adam John is tied for fourth, third, tied for third, tied for fourth. I don't know, it depends how you look at it. Uh, with Kevin Freider, with now this is his 11th goal. So again, just kudos for these guys that just keep putting the ball on target, putting the ball in the back of the net, and pretty awesome for Phoenix to have not one but two players in the gold boot race at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just speaks to you know just how lethal this attack is. And, I mean, props to Adam John, you, you said it. I mean, to be able to stay on side in that situation, it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, strikers, they want to get to that ball and just bang it in. And, and sometimes, you know, they get themselves in trouble by getting behind the last defender. But John doesn't do that, keeps his run perfect. And, uh, I mean, he gets rewarded for it. I think he definitely deserved a goal on the night. And, yeah, you brought it up. He's now tied with Kevon Frader. And, I mean, I really think this, is something that people really need to take notice because early on, you know, everyone's saying, oh, Freighter's lighting it up in New Mexico, and everyone was, you know, really bummed that we'd let him go. But I think the coaching staff saw something in Adam John that, uh, you know, he just was able to work perfectly in this system. And, I mean, to be tied now with Freighter, I know Freighter hasn't had a couple goals in his last uh, few matches. So, you know, Adam John might be over 
be overtaking him in the near future. And uh, this is this is just so cool to see these players, you know, up near the top of the league where they deserve to be and, you know, in their own position and on the table. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me see. Moving on from that. Let's, um, all right. Now, this, I mean, this was the most probably disturbing part of the game here. Um, you know, here we have Kalistri comes on. So we have uh, Adam John comes off. He's limping a little bit. I think John might, might have, uh, in, in that particular where he scored, I think he might have um, hit shins with the Austin player at the same time. Ben Spencer comes on to replace Adam John. Joey Kalistri comes on for Jose Aguinaga. Uh, this is kind of interesting because Kalistri generally trades off with, uh, with Flemings. So, you know, given Kalistri a little bit of time in midfield here, um, we don't really have a true midfielder that's probably game-ready on the bench. Everybody's either strikers or defenders. Uh, so not a huge surprise, but um, good to see Kalistri. You know, he's coming in to get minutes, but he receives more than just minutes in this shift. Uh, just three minutes after he comes on, Kalistri approaches a free ball at the top of the 18. Uh, looks like he's going to try to control the ball, bring it down for a shot. Doesn't see, or maybe he does, doesn't see Austin's Edson Branfied. I can't even say his last name. Maybe he's an angry guy because nobody knows how to say his name. Um, sees this guy, uh, um, his first name's Edson, moves toward him. The Austin player places a studs-up challenge right into his ribs, like standing challenge, pretty much a drop kick um, or, or a karate kick, whatever it is. Why is his feet up so high? Why is he coming studs up? Just absolutely bizarre. Kalistri hits the ground. The referee's hand hits the sky with a red card. Um, the guy actually tried to stop, actually touched the referee and held the referee's hand down. Uh, for a second there. This guy's not going to be playing for a couple weeks, I don't think. Uh, I, somebody said over-under on the suspension for this particular challenge, and then how he treated the referee afterward is probably about three games. What say you, Kyle? Yeah, I would say, I would say at least three games because, I mean, it, this is a very violent, malicious tackle. I mean, he, he's, no, he's never going to get that ball. I understand that, you know, it's moving at a fast rate and he's putting his foot where he sees the ball going, but that ball's being corralled by Kalistri's body. He's never going to get there. Even if he does, he knows his cleat is going straight in to Kalistri's midsection. And, I mean, it's just absolutely disgusting. You hate to see this. And, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that he <laughs> thinks he can keep the ref from getting him a straight red there is just ridiculous. Um, I read around, I think this guy, you know, he's a seasoned veteran and he just he should know better. There absolutely needs to be a suspension just because you can't have players doing this. This is how you seriously injure someone. I'm surprised Kalistri didn't break a rib. I mean, that, that was, there was serious force behind that hit. Um, you know, and luckily everyone was okay, and uh, Rising goes up a man, and I think we absolutely deserve it at that point. Yeah, and he toughed it out for sure because at that point, we're out of subs. We've used all of our subs. It, it was fairly early. We're up plenty. We need to have a couple guys get some extra minutes, take off some guys who need some rest. But we're out of subs, so if he's done, 
if he does have a broken rib, we're playing with 10. Um, and, and they're playing with 10. So, I mean, realistically, they're not probably not coming back, but still, that's a, that's a nasty thing to deal with. Um, Kalistri, though, brings, here we have kind of same verse, second verse, same as the first, where we have early in the match, we have Flemings, he's able to strike back after this bad, you know, two-handed body slam tackle. Kalistri gets his revenge. He's bruised and battered, finds himself up at the right, Right, what, <laughs> he found himself at the right post at the right time, um, and Dia places the ball to the uh, off of a corner, over uh, over the scrum. Ball comes off of Joey Joey Farrell's head. Farrell places it back uh, into the scrum to the back post, where Kalistri is basically standing, hanging out. Kalistri uses his noggin, puts the ball in the back of the net. Um, and gives us the final goal of the night. Finishes the game with a six-pack uh, on dollar beer night, 6 nothing. Uh, everybody gets a little bit of revenge where they need to have it. Phoenix Rising gets revenge on, Phoenix, on, on Austin Bold for, for losing earlier in the season. Fleming gets revenge on bad fouls. Kalistri gets revenge on bad fouls. Everybody's pretty happy except for Coach Shantz. And Coach Sean shared some concerns in the post-game press, uh, press conference. It, he starts it out, he says, I'm disappointed a little. Adam John has a big gash in the back of his knee. Mustafa Dambuya has a bruised foot. We have a couple of guys come at Joey Kalistri. He has two cleat marks all the way across his chest on the red card. Uh, by the way, you can check Twitter. He did post a picture of it. Um, it is nasty. His, Coach Sean said, the referees have to do a better job of protecting the players. That was ridiculous. I gotta agree with Coach Shots. Uh, what about what say you, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. I I will be amazed if we see this referee, uh, you know, be a center referee for the rest of the season. I think he he needs to go back to being a, a fourth official and stay on the sidelines because he just he has no idea how to protect a player and uh, how to control a game. I mean, he, he really just did not seem to have control of this one. The players just did not respect him. I, I just I think that, you know, this was a lesson learned for pro referees, that they need need to make sure, you know, week in and week out they're monitoring these referees because if, if this is allowed to continue, it's just ridiculous at this point. And the fans sure let him know it, uh, especially right around that halftime, that, that, that uh, halftime foul that happened. Um, that we were talking about a minute uh, a minute ago with Flemings. Uh, I mean, there was just some nasty, nasty stuff that showed, or that that you could hear on the feed, uh, aimed directly at the referee. And uh, I don't think that things got too much better uh, for the rest of the, the rest of the time. I mean, look, I, I don't know that the referee could have done that much more. I mean, it was a few really bad defensive decisions, a bad defensive challenges. Phoenix Rising wasn't immune to it either, but nothing nearly as bad as what we saw, that's for sure. Um, you know, but ultimately, it is the, the referee's number one job. The, the number one job is player safety. And that was, there was coming in to be a problem here in this particular match. So, yeah, I, I think that he's going to have some bad scoring on his uh, ref report for sure. Uh, 
couple things, uh, you know, just as it as we come to the end of the match here, this does give Phoenix Rising uh, its tenth straight win. That is a tied for league record with FC FC Cincinnati. That record, USL has been around for a long time. That ten game win record was only last year by no longer in USL FC Cincinnati. Uh, and here we are, we're challenging it. The team improves to 12-0 on dollar beer night. Um, we set a regular season attendance record at 7387, uh, only to be surpassed by uh, one or two of the playoff matches from last uh, last season. Over 100 degrees, and we set an attendance record. What does that say about this front office, about this team, and what we're building here in the desert? I mean, it, it just says that they've, they've put in all this hard work and, uh, you know, this is the environment that MLS, you know, it seems like they want, they crave for, yet we're still not getting the attention. Um, I could care less, but I, I, this, you can't speak enough. I mean, the fans showed up and, I mean, absolutely helped this team. You have to say so because, I mean, we brought it up. When it's 1-0, you know, if Austin gets back in this match, you know, it easily could have played out to a draw with how they were playing, um, just trying to, you know, play that scruffy, difficult kind of game. But I, I I, just, I cannot give this front office enough credit. Sam Dorr, I mean, these promotions, I mean, we're getting Barstool tweeting about us now, writing blogs. I mean, it, we have taken the soccer world by storm with this promotion and with our, with our play, and just it's so great to see everyone connected with this team finally get the recognition they deserve because – I mean, we've known locally how great this product is, but now it seems like nationally and even internationally people are starting to take notice, and it's just so cool to see. Yeah, a couple other in, in, interesting little tidbits here, too. Um, the front three, I, I was kind of, I was looking at this up because we talked about this the past couple weeks. Adam John has 12. Solomon Asante has 20. Junior Fleming has 12. That is how many goals or assists that those three players have had in the past 11 matches. So the top three have racked up 34 goals or assists in 11 matches. It's just absolutely ridiculous what's going on. Um, and uh, so they should be really – now, my, my concern, my question here, and my concern is, what's this knock for, for Adam John? Do we need to take a break next – does he need to take the next game off? Um, what is the knock to Dumbuya? Are we going to see the, uh, the the new player come in here? I don't even know if he's got his visa status and his transfer is complete at this point. Um, what about Kalistri? He's going to feel a little bit differently on Monday than he does it at game time when he's got all the adrenaline pumping through him. That swelling is going to come up. Um, how does this physical, this nasty, nasty physical match affect our ability to function uh, as, as a team for the, for the, you know, the next, the next coming match? Uh, that that's my biggest concern, my biggest takeaway. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern. I mean, we we said it every, you know, every week that this match, you know, we put in the hard work, we got the result, we just, we earned and deserved, but it. it it really was 
you know, on my mind post-game that, you know, we've got a few players that definitely took some knocks. For me, um, you know, the Dumbuya injury, it's, it's concerning. It's, it's comforting knowing that we have a new player coming in, but it's also a player that, you know, none of us know anything about this Corey Whalen player. Um, I mean, just very, very raw, very, you know, just undiscovered, it seems like. Rambo probably has the most info on him, and he's been closed lit. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see when he gets with the squad, you know, if, if he's able to, you know, start training regularly and even get into our 18. I mean, I could almost see him going down to Tucson first so Sean can maybe get a look at him on tape. But uh, I, this, for me, this Adam John injury is the most concerning just because while Ben Spencer has – He's done a decent job this season. I just don't see the clinical finishing that Adam John had in Ben Spencer. Um, I mean, he has, you know, he might have the opportunity to prove me wrong, and I would love it. But, I mean, Adam John has just been so critical for our front three, like we talked about. And if he's not able to go, I think, you know, that's really going to be our biggest biggest miss. Yeah, and the, you know, don't want to discount Austin Ledbetter. Ledbetter's played well. He's done. He's done a good job as well. Um, but probably doesn't have the speed that Mustafa. I mean, he definitely doesn't have the speed that Dembuya has. Um, so this is, you know, uh, this is the this is why it's a long season. Uh, we're dominating where we're sitting at now, uh, and uh, but we also do have, you know, the farm team. We have, we have the Tucson players. Uh, so we're able to have a slightly expanded roster, at least in comparison. And I, I, I don't know how much longer the USL League One season goes, uh, but I don't think uh, maybe it is as, as long. I gotta look. I gotta check that out. Maybe, maybe Stephen Hernandez will actually call in or, or something like that, and we'll get to talk to him here. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I mean, it is a huge advantage, and you know, the, there's definitely some players that we could bring up from Tucson. I believe Lamar Batista started left back for them last week. But, you know, he could fill in. Cody Wakasa as well, we know that he could fill in at that spot. We definitely have players within, you know, the rising system. But it, it's just going to be very interesting to see, you know, how, how these players progress through the week, if they're able to train regularly. You know, if they travel to Tulsa, there's going to be a lot of um, telling points, I think. But ultimately, I mean, I think that, it could have happened at a worse time, given our next two matches. Um, but it's still not something you want to see from a team that's just been doing so well. Yeah, a couple pieces of uh, team news. Um, also, just just to have a little uh, a little piece on that is we do have uh, we do lose Colin Fernandez. Colin Fernandez has been with the team for about a year and a half here. Um, basically, just no. There's no playing time for him. He got to come in and play in some fill-in roles. Um, Fernandez does come to Phoenix, uh, did play a couple seasons with ML or have a couple appearances with the Chicago Fire, uh, played a good amount of time in St. Louis uh, and Tulsa, and now he's on his way back to St. Louis. Did actually appear in, in the match uh, uh, yesterday as well um, as, as a substitute, only for six minutes, but Good to see him get on the field and have a little bit better of an opportunity. He has 26 appearances with Phoenix, 17 and 18, nine appearances in 2019 um, with 18 starts, 13 and 5, uh, 13 starts in 18 and 5 starts in 19. So I uh, wish him the best of luck. 
continued success. Very, very glad that he is not part of our, our conference. Uh, he's coming in to help bolster a sinking St. Louis team who put a lot of effort into their U.S. Open Cup run, very similar to New Mexico, but a lot of effort into the, their U.S. Open Cup run and has just sunk down uh, to the lower end of the Eastern Conference uh, in, in almost mirror fashion to uh, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a bummer to see, you know, a guy like Colin Lee, he was a stand-up player, you know, on and off the field. He was just a great person. Um, but it's absolutely best for him in his development. I mean, he is still so young. He needs to get regularly, regular playing time. And with, you know, the success that we've had in our midfield and, you know, Vaccaro and Aguinaga have locked down those spots. Um, and then you have Musa, Lambert, interchangeable. It really seems like Fernandez was just the odd man out, and it's sad to see. But uh, I mean, I'm very happy he went to the Eastern Conference. I hope he gets a lot of playing time and has a lot of success, um, and it doesn't come at the detriment of Rising. So I think all around good business for everyone. Players have to move on. It's, it's how this game works. But uh, still sad to see him go. But I'm sure you know we'll see him again sometime in the near future. And speaking of more Phoenix Rising alumni uh, having some success. Uh, last night was the NPSL Western Region Finals, um, or the playoff semifinal or quarterfinals, if you want to look at it like that, with FC Arizona playing uh, ASC uh, Albion San Diego, uh, ASC Albion Soccer Club San Diego, ASC San Diego. Uh, FC Arizona did fall to they fell they fell two to nothing pretty early in the. Uh, in the, in the first half, they're able to come back. Omar Nuno comes back, able to score one goal in the second half. They challenged a little bit, but for the most part, we're pretty much out of the match. Uh, ASC does feature Edder, um, Edder Areola, a former Phoenix Rising player as well. And uh, Edder did play. Uh, he came in as a substitute in the 48th minute, played very, very well. Um, also, congratulations to Chase Bolton. Um, as well as um, Aaron Kishimoto, uh, both who have uh, had experience with the Sporting Arizona, uh, Sporting uh, AZFC um, uh, last season. And Chase Bolton was a backup keeper behind Andrew Weber, actually did play in the um, Open Cup qualifying match after Andrew Weber uh, got a nasty red card and, and, and got tossed. Uh, so Chase has some playing time. He's a backup for ASC. Really nice guy. His season ticket holders, they might actually listen to us. Uh, and uh, uh, Kishimoto has been trying to find a very, very talented player. Had some tryouts with Las Vegas. Had some tryouts in different places, including out in Europe. Um, and uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see if this propels them to be able to do more good things and look back on their time in Arizona, and we can say that we knew them when. Yeah, yeah. Cool to be able to get there for SC Arizona. Um, you know, it's great for, for soccer in the state. And, you know, disappointing that they lose, but, you know, that's kind of just that's how the dice roll sometimes. I mean, we've been there as well. Um, it, it's really cool for me to see players like Edder Ariola still out there on the field. And, 
if I remember correctly, isn't Kashimoto the player who scored the winning penalty for Sporting AZ in the Open Cup against Ryan? Oh, you know, I don't know, but if it, if it is, that's... Um... I think so. I think, I think I remember that pain in that name. <laughs> He's a very talented player. <laughs> uh, um, Tim Marciano, the, the owner of Sporting AZ and, and a local coach uh, with Benedictine, um, thinks very, very highly of him, and so uh, good, to, good to see that he's on a team that's, that's having some, some success, and we'll see what happens as they hit the semifinals. They're, they may be playing in Tulsa, they may be playing um, uh, against the Cosmos, I don't know, but it'll be interesting, and uh, if you are interested in supporting local players uh, in, in that patch, you'll probably be able to catch it on Mike Cujo. Um, Actually, you definitely will be able to catch it on Mike Cujo because that's NPSL's broadcast partner for the playoffs here. Uh, other league news, nothing tremendously interesting happened in league news this past week. Uh, Josh Cohen does, uh, Josh Cohen, also Phoenix Rising alumni, uh, currently playing for the Sacramento Republic. His tenure with Sacramento Republic comes to an end. He makes his way out to uh, Maccabi Haifa. Um, um, or Maccabi Haifa is a Israeli Premier League team, so he's moving up into Division One ball out there. Uh, Israeli League, pr pretty decent little league. Uh, I'd say it's kind of on par with probably USL League Two. Um, mostly Israeli players, but definitely has some international players out there as well. Uh, best of luck to him, and, and nice that we're able to get some uh, some USL guys out and about. Uh, into the world and, and, and showing that we are the greatest second division <laughs> in, in world soccer or something, whatever that crap is. <laughs> no, it, it is really cool. And if I recall correctly, I believe that teams, though I think the first place and maybe second place from the Israeli Premier League get into the Europa and possibly can even play into the Champions League, you know, if they qualify through the qualifying round. So, yeah, I mean, they, it is they, cool. They definitely play as part of all of that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, cool, you know, cool for Cohen. Definitely, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We saw Chris Cortez go to Thailand. So another, you know, cool opportunity for rising alumni. You'd love to see it. And, you know, hopefully, you know, it works out well for him. Speaking of Chris Cortez and another alumni, Sean White Phillips, I got to see both of them on Friday night. Uh, before the match, I was up in the uh, up in the suites to take a picture of the Red Fury Tifo, uh, which is rather humorous. Uh, Austin smells like derriere. Um, and and uh, uh, turn around, and uh, there's there's uh, SWP there. So I say, hey, Sean, you know, we chatted for a couple minutes. Um, he is a permanent Mesa resident now, so. Uh, lo love to see uh, Sean Wright Phillips come out and support his team. And then just before halftime, uh, walking up the side, I see uh, Chris Cortez and uh, go up and I gave him a big hug and welcomed him back. So uh, very, very cool to see both of those dudes uh, hanging at the field that gave us a lot of great memories. I told uh, Sean, uh, I, I still think of, of that goal against OKC. I should have told him we talked about it like last week, or it was last week or the week before, uh, to, to seal that that match at 4-3 or whatever that craziness was. Yeah, yeah. No, that goal, I, I was, you know, right behind the net as well, and that when he took that, you know, goal across Cody Lorendi, and um, 
I mean, just amazing scenes. And, yeah, it's still, you know, one of those goals that, you know, longtime Rising fans will always remember. And it, it really is cool to see that, you know, Sean, you know, has adapted to Phoenix, and this is his home now. And Chris as well, I believe he's, you know, back home in California. But to come out and visit, you know that, you know, his heart is still with this club. He still has an attachment here. And, you know, the, the players, the fans, I think we all feel the same. He wished the best for Chris Cortez, and it's, it's really cool that these guys get to come back and see where we are now. I mean, you know, Chris Cortez, he's probably got to be, you know, a little bit envious that he's not able to be a part of the squad that's just killing it right now. Yeah, and you know what's kind of funny is that, um, you know, first of all, he, he he's a good-looking dude. He's a handsome guy. He's got a great smile. I mean, his, his personality radiates, so he comes on the field. And what's waiting for him, like, at the corner of the field there, it's like a bachelorette party. There's, like, 15, you know, well-dressed, very attractive young women. Uh, they're taking selfies. They're doing this. They're doing that. And Chris Cortez just basically walks right in the middle of all of them. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I've never wanted to be Chris Cortez more than that particular moment. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, hey, it, it comes with perks, right? The the recognition, and as you said, he's a he's a good looking guy, and you know he's he's in very good shape. Um, so <laughs> he is not a uh, you know a, a, a balding, long bearded, heavy set huge accountant. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. I'll give yourself some credit. Come on now. Yeah, well, I don't know what credit. Uh, I got my hair cut so I could look a little bit younger. That that that's the oh, that's about all I could do. All right, so hold on for one second. Okay, uh, all right. So let, let's just do a little bit of rundown. What happened this week in in, in terms of USL? Uh, Fresno and uh, Timbers tied it up. Neither of them. Uh, Fresno at num at third in third place. You know, playing against Portland Timbers at seventh. Uh, should be a should have been a really nice game. Uh, they tied it uh, tied it with two. Uh, Arun Basilovic has a, has the uh, um, uh, what is oh no I'm sorry I apologize I'm reading this wrong. Fresno beat Portland Timbers two, uh, so Fresno picks up three points against uh, Portland Timbers two. The the two win the Portland Timbers two. Uh, I, I read that wrong. So Fresno wins two to one. Arun Vasulovic scores the game winner uh, based off of uh, two key passes. <clears throat> and the Foxes now have five consecutive victories. Uh, they, they're 37 points. They're only four points behind Phoenix. So as high as we are on ourselves with a 35-goal differential and, you know, whatever record, we still have a couple guys who are chasing us pretty badly. The next guy's chasing us is Reno 1868. Reno picks up a win against LA Galaxy, uh, LA Galaxy 2. Uh, they win 2-1. to one. That is also Reno's fifth straight win. Uh, uh, Caspi scores the game-winning goal. Does, uh, does really, really well. Bersano plays very well in that particular match for Reno as well. Um, these two teams that are following Phoenix were on a 10-game streak, and these guys are streaking as well. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see because Phoenix Rising at 41 points, Reno at 38, Fresno at 37. Um, you know, we're we're 
doing very, very well, but maybe we're not dominating in the same way uh, that our minds are telling us. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, cause for concern. But when you look at, you know, games played and, and where the standings are at, Fresno's maybe a little bit more concerning just because, you know, with equal on matches with us, they're four points behind. Reno's um, three points behind, but they also have a match in hand right now. Um, I, I think both of these teams, I mean, they're both very, very solid squads. Seasoned USL veterans as well. They have a lot of experience. They know this league. And they're just getting the results right now. Um, the one thing I, I noticed is Reno, you know, since we beat them in that 3-0 uh, match, they've gone on that five-game win streak. So we kind of sparked a, sparked a fire under them there, it seems like. But both of these teams, concerning, you know, the one that I will say is, uh, you know, sticking out in my mind is our next dollar beer night opponent is, in fact, Reno 18 68. So that match, I think, is really going to be, you know, where that dollar beer night streak, uh, it's it's definitely going to be on the line that night. There's going to be a lot to play for, and uh, I'm very, very pumped for it. I think it's uh, August 16th um, is the date of that match. But uh, both of these teams, I mean, they're definitely going to be in our rear view, I think, but uh, they're, they're a little too close right now for comfort, as you said. Uh, continuing on, Matt Cardone uh, leads... Uh, Cardoni leads San Antonio uh, with four uh, four saves uh, to pick up a draw against Orange County. Both of those teams are pretty far behind us. Uh, El Paso Locomotive draws against Real Monarchs. Uh, El Paso plays some really good defense in this particular match, uh, winning a lot of duels, good recovery. Um, and of course, you know, any, well, but the fact that they drew is just a good thing in general, because those, those two teams are in fifth and sixth place, respectively, El Paso, uh, in fifth, Real Monarchs in sixth, uh, that basically is a nice pickup of two points for Phoenix Rising in that particular case. Colorado Springs. Yeah, yeah, especially, I mean, for me, you look at Monarchs, they're only on 18 matches, and coming into this, they'd won five straight. So they really were on a great run. To, to have a little bit of a hiccup and drop two points, is that's pretty big, because we know that this Monarchs team from years past, when they get rolling, they can be very, very dangerous. I know we don't see them again until late in the season, and we already played up in Salt Lake, but still, I mean, I think this is going to be a completely different team than when we saw um, when we were up in uh, Salt Lake City not too long ago. Aren't they so, dealing with yeah, coaching change result. also still? Yeah, yeah, I believe they have they have a coaching change. Um, I'm not sure who who their manager is right now, but uh, I know there was a change made, and, and they've definitely you know bettered from it. They've definitely uh, came out on the strong foot. Yeah, that's right. They have an interim coach. Um... Uh, Jameson Olave, or Jameson Olave, I'm not sure how to pronounce it properly, but um, so th that's something that they're dealing with. Uh, Colorado Springs. He's, he's, he's an ex-MLS player, too. I remember him playing with um, RSL in, in the first division, so this guy definitely got some experience in the game. A little bit of pedigree, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, we'll see. Coaching does matter, and, and and maybe he'll he's able to sort of rescue rescue the season at least uh, tactically. Uh, Colorado Springs Switchbacks uh, beat OKC Energy one to nothing in Colorado Springs. Um, 
Colorado Springs, that's almost a that's a pretty rare win for them. Uh, they only have six wins on the season, uh, sitting at six twelve and two. They don't even draw a lot. They just flat out lose. Um, they also are dealing with an interim coaching situation, so maybe they're getting a little bit of spark. Uh, speaking of that as well, RGV scores two against Sacramento Republic, uh, ends up beating Sacramento Republic. Now who are now playing without their their main uh, keeper, Josh Cohen. Much that factors into uh, into this particular match either, but Rio Grande Valley RGV not exactly a, a top of the table. Uh, a top-of-the-table team, and beating Sacramento Republic is uh, kind of a more mid-table. There's some mid-table guys there. Yeah, I, I have to think Josh Cohen not being there um, has, has to maybe do a little bit with it. You know, I mean, we we know from experience from last week, HEB Park is extremely difficult to play in. And, you know, when you have a new goalie in between the sticks, you know, I, I saw they lose late. So, you know, he gives up a late goal, and, you know, maybe the pressure got to him there. You don't know. Um, and, yeah, I, Colorado Springs, that is a huge win against OKC. I really think, you know, their season's dead. But to be able to get, you know, a result against a playoff opponent who's in 10th place right now, that's really big. And I, I, I we didn't bring up the news portion, but I think maybe, you know, they're inspired by that uh, announcement of that 8,000-seat stadium that is looking to be built in Colorado Springs. I don't know if you saw that article, but it looks pretty sweet from the renderings I saw. Um, good for them that they finally get, you know, their own soccer-specific stadium that uh, has, you know, seating for everyone in Colorado Springs. <laughs> it's a pretty big town, uh, and, and, and it, you know, it, it's really a pretty decent little sports town, to be honest with you, because uh, there's a lot of very athletic, very outdoorsy folks out there uh, that are there. Uh, military and, and retired military and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that, that'll be really nice for them. And uh, they have the that, – that's one of those things. I think that that could be kind of a sleeping giant kind of uh, situation. Maybe maybe not Colorado Springs. Maybe if they moved it to Boulder where there's there's a college and there's some more of that atmosphere. I, I'm not totally sure, but i got to tell you, any time I go above, like, I don't know, like, 2,000 feet. <laughs> I'm wheezing. So if you train in high altitude like that, you have a you sh you really should have a, a pretty genuine advantage over anybody else that you're going to play with, whether you're traveling lower or requiring them to move up to you. Uh, I know these are all really elite athletes, but you know any little thing helps, and that that seems to be theoretically should be one of them. Oh, I I I think it is. I think in the past we've we've seen that you know. Um, and, I mean, it's such a high elevation, as you said, that players just get winded. And what pops to my mind is, you know, in the USL, we have a lot of Caribbean-based players, and they're not they're used to being at sea level, not, you know, mile-high high altitude. So to, to be at such high altitude for some of those players, if they're not training in it regularly, is definitely a home field advantage. And, uh, I mean, it, it's something that you got to look out for, I think, when you see them on the schedule. Uh, we see it with the Heat here, too, as well, of course. Um, all right, yep. so your Western Conference standings, of course, Phoenix Rising sitting up at the top with 41 points, uh, followed by Reno with 38, Fresno with 37, Austin Bold. Uh, that This is where the real point is. Uh, so third place is at 37 points, fourth place at 29. Uh, so there's a, kind of a big break point now 
uh, in between the top three and, uh, and the rest of the pack. Austin Bold and El Paso both sitting at 29 points. Real Monarchs, Portland Timbers at 28. Sacramento Republic, New Mexico United at 26 points. Uh, New Mexico United is is uh, 0, 4, and 1 in their last five, not recovering at all from this Open Cup issue. Uh, OKC Energy at 26 points. That rounds up rounds off the top 10 uh, on the playoff side. Below the playoff line, we have San Antonio with 24 points, Las Vegas and Rio Grande, Orange County and LA all with 23 points. So all four of those teams have the potential to move up into that 10th slot. Uh, where OKC Energy is, uh, OKC Energy and New Mexico are currently sitting. I think that that like 10th through 15th is going to be really interesting in the coming weeks. Uh, down at the lowly bottom, Colorado Springs with 20, Tulsa Roughnecks with 18, Tacoma Defiance uh, with 11 points. Still running off of my bet whether or not that they're going to hit 20 points uh, for the whole season, but. We'll have to see. They did pick up two draws in their past five matches. So, uh, you know, one point a game can, can get you somewhere. <laughs> they just got to get nine more points somehow. Uh, so that's your Western Conference standings. Uh, there are some game differentials. Sacramento, Sacramento Republic has 18 games. Uh, so they have two games in hand, uh, Portland Timbers, uh, who are above them in the standings. We'll start see, seeing some of this uh, this shake out a little bit as well. Any surprises here? Anybody who you expect to make it over the line? Uh, I, I think we talked about it last week, but any any mind changes here? No, no. I, I still think you know Las Vegas with two games in hand on all the teams, 11 through 15, they have a great opportunity to get themselves into the playoff conversation. Um, it's it's really just going to come down to whether they can take advantage. I think, you know, I think they're definitely right there. I, for me, it's got to be between them and San Antonio um, to possibly clinch that, clinch that last playoff spot. But I just want to touch on this New Mexico team. I mean, it, they just hit a wall with form. And we talked about it. The Open Cup has undoubtedly um, caused part of that. But it's just it's really surprising to see, you know. There was so much praise being thrown on this team. I believe Troy Lathane even won, you know, coach of the – mid-season, um, it'd be really, you know, fun for me to revisit that now because you'd have to say Rick Shaw's has to be up for it because uh, given the drop-off that New Mexico's had, I know they were an open cup, but you still have to be able to maintain your league form. We see it in other leagues, and it, it can get done. You just have to uh, be able to move your focus to the right places at the right time. Absolutely. Uh, so speaking of moving focus, the focus moves to the next match, July 27th. Uh, 5.30, Phoenix Rising travels to Tulsa Roughnecks, uh, to One Oak Field. And, uh, you know, what, what can we say about where, you know, about Tulsa? They they started the season with a heck of a run of play, uh, a lot of wins at the top, uh, at the, the uh, um, top of the standings here. And here we're at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. They are winless in their past 11 matches. Uh, they are um, 0, yeah. 6, and 5 in 11 matches, including the 5 nothing drubbing that at the time set the Phoenix Rising goal-scoring record uh, for a match, which has now, now been uh, uh, quickly taken by... by by Austin. 
Yeah, I, I, that's the one thing, you know, looking at this Tulsa team, um, I hadn't really looked at them much since our last our last match. And, I mean, they have not earned three points since uh, April 24th. So by the time, you know, they play us, that will have been three months now that they will not have uh, not have gotten a win unless they actually do play Los Dos in Tulsa on Wednesday, I believe. So maybe they're able to get something against Los Dos, but I, I kind of don't think they do. Um, but, you know, Los Dos has been a solid squad this year. I think that, you know, Tulsa's going to have, you know, a tough task on their hands. And personally, when I see that they have a midweek match, um, it makes me really happy because you know that even though they don't have to travel, these players are going to be worn out, and there's definitely going to have to be some rotation come uh, come Saturday. So for Rising, I think this is absolutely 100% a win. There's there's no reason we do not get three points out of this match, um, even if there's injuries. On paper, we're just a better squad. Boy, and I'm looking at and seeing – now, the past two games, they only gave up one goal each in, in the past two games, but they gave up three to Monarchs, six to Sacramento, two to El Paso, five to us. They gave up three goals to Austin. Um, I mean, this is a team that, that seems to be bleeding. I, I, I wonder um, I, I wonder where things are going to go for them. Uh, leading goal scorer, Luca Lobo. Uh, they, their leading goal scorer is a pair of Brazilians, Luca Lobo uh, and Rodrigo de Costa, um, and uh, followed by uh, Janu Silva from Portugal and uh, Christian Altimirano. Uh, from Honduras, so um, Lobo with seven goals, Rodrigo with six. They can score two. Uh, DaCosta is their assist leader as well, so he's got uh, six goals and seven assists uh, as well on on um, on the season. He is their leader in goals plus assist average at .7 per match. Uh, discipline wise. Uh, Cipian Hedrick, who is their captain, he's a Cameroonian player, uh, has six yellow cards. Also with six yellow cards, the Canadian uh, Malcolm Roberts, uh, both are defenders, which is what you would expect for, for guys to pick up yellow cards as well. Uh, they have one guy with, uh, um, with a red card, doesn't play a lot of minutes, not too worried about that. Yeah, this, this, this team is, is not a, a very solid team. They've had four different players. Uh, in goal, uh, Mason Stadahar, uh, a 21-year-old, is their is their, their main keeper. Has 21. Uh, I'm sorry, has 12 starts. Um, Sean Lewis, 26-year-old keeper, has six starts as well, and just you know, come one appearance each for two other keepers as well. Um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see where this goes, but um, I think you're right. I, I hate coming in and, and saying. This really is supposed to be a win for us, but this should be a win for us. <laughs> it's, it's just given current form and just, I mean, the players that we have, I mean, even if, you know, Dumbuya's out and if Ben Spencer has to start up top, I still have to say, I mean, I, I, the guys are able to get it done. You just, a team that has not won in so long, they're going to be looking to break that bubble. And I, they're going to remember that 5-0 schlacking we gave them, but I just it's, I just don't see it. I, I mean, it's possible. It's absolutely possible, but I think, um, I mean, Rising, we know what we got to do. Rick Schantz will be preaching it all week. 
And, I mean, he won't underestimate this opponent. I, I mean, he'll know exactly what, you know, what we need to do to get the win. Um, but I mean, you just have to say, it, when it comes to talent on the field, uh, we just we just got to beat straight up. Yeah, I mean, this is um... – I don't. I don't think it's a trap match in terms of score. I think it's a bit of a trap match that that we have the potential that these guys are going to get physical because they're frustrated. I mean, you can't blame them for getting frustrated, and they're only going to get it, it, after the schlacking that they took and and the other ones that they've had here, um, based on the score that I saw. I, player safety is is definitely if I'm if I'm the uh, referee in this match. Uh, I'm not letting any shenanigans go on. So we'll have to see who the announced referee comes on, and maybe we'll we'll do a little bit of commentary and, and, and see what his history looks like, or her history, uh, as we do have some uh, some female center refs as well. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that that truly could you know be the deciding factor on um, how this game's called. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say this is a trap game for me. Um, that low still smash kind of looks like a little bit more of a trap game, just given that, you know, it's a short trip, but still, I've said it, you know, they're a very talented squad, and if they move down a couple guys from, from the senior squad of the Galaxy, they could, uh, they could you know, really give us some, some struggles. But we need to focus on Tulsa this week, and, uh, I mean, this should be, like we said, three points. Should be, you know, very easy match to get through, but it's, it's really going to be important, I think, to get off to a quick start. Um, we said it, this team, you know, had goals poured on them. If we're able to get one, maybe two in the first half, I just I just don't see any way that they're able to mount a comeback. Yeah, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. And, and uh, uh, we still have a fight, you know, all, boys and girls, all of our listeners out there, we still got a fight going on because these, these top three teams in this conference um, still are going to keep playing. And it's great to see Fresno up there. Um, as they they continue a good a good run of play, uh, we still have one more match against them. We have a home match still. No away. We we have to go to Fresno. We played Fresno already. Um, I think that was a zero zero draw. It was like our our third or fourth home match this season. Yeah, you're right. It was the fourth match, and it was at home. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch for sure. Um, that Reno match that, that, that you were talking about earlier, that's definitely going to be interesting. So make sure get all your matches on your calendar. You know, make sure that your spouse or significant other knows, hey, don't bother me. I'm going to this particular game. That's how we do it in our home. I put it on the calendar. It goes on the wife's calendar. When it comes up, if she doesn't remember, I don't get blamed and she doesn't get mad at me. I get to go as, as long as it's on the calendar. Um, that's it. I, I get to do what I need to do. <laughs> hey, that's a good agreement, and you can't say you didn't give her notice. I mean, uh, the Phoenix Rising, I mean, USL as a whole, they put out the schedules, I feel like, at an early enough point to where everyone can, can plan around them and, yeah, put those put those matches into your calendar and make sure you're there because, uh, I mean, it, we saw on Friday night, you don't want to miss one second of this team. There you go. Soccer takes and relationship advice on this week's Rising <laughs> One podcast. <laughs> All right, so so next week, um, for those of you guys out there, I, I think next week we're going to try to do a, try to set up a, a, a you know a little bit of call in as well. 
uh, maybe try and get uh, Dave Rappaport on the line. He seemed to be interested maybe to do that uh, with our new, with this, if we're able to use the system and, and get good audio out of it, uh, it'll make that, that possible that we can have some more participation and continued participation. Dominic Kearns is going to be out of commission as he's studying for the, uh, uh, the bar exam. He'll be out of commission for a couple more weeks, probably till the beginning of August. Uh, and we wish him best of luck on the bar exam. We, we need, we want him to do very, very well so that he can get a job and finance the operation of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you never know. We may need, you know, some uh, some some law help too. So it does not hurt to have that as a as part of our squad. Hey, law firms like to sponsor stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, that that that's it. That's it. Uh, well, that's it for me. I don't have anything else. What about you, Kyle? I, I mean, just. An amazing dollar beer night. Um, this this team just continues to deliver week in and week out, and we see it. We see it in the celebrations with the fans. When you see Solomon Asante pointing his fingers down, saying, "This is our home. This is our field. You know, this is how we do it." And uh, it's just, I mean, it's just so much fun. If if you're not getting out to these rising matches and following this team, um, I don't know what you are doing. You must just be the most boring person on earth. Because <laughs> There ain't nothing else to do with it. If you're not on yeah, vacation, you've I mean, got no excuse. Nope. There's there's no excuse if you live in the Valley to not be, you know, interested in, in checking out this team because, I mean, we've seen it. No other no other organization has been able to, I think, connect with the fans and get the results that this team has. And you can say, yeah, second division soccer. Well, show me the first division team that we have here. you got to take what you can get. You know, it's... It, it's just so much fun that, uh, I mean, you're a fool if you're not into this. That's all i got to say. Well, that's all that needs to be said. So for this week's Rising is One podcast, I'm Aaron Blau for Kyle Mackey and Dominic Kearns outgoing, figuring out ways to save the world. Uh, we'll see you next week as Phoenix Rising faces Tulsa on the 27th at 530. Go check out a watch party. Uh, make sure to check the Twitter account and uh, go hang out with some friends. Invite them to come along and enjoy uh, rising as The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items, just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL.